Bay. Let's bow and pray. Let's go before the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for this morning. And again, we just thank you for the beautiful weather outside. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we have together. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would, um, would teach and speak into our hearts, into our lives. And Lord, we ask that uh, this time would be a blessing to you and honoring to you. And we give this to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I mentioned, you know, the men we gathered uh, together yesterday. We had a, an early lunch together. And, um, you know, to kind of tell you the kind of gathering we had, right, you can kind of tell by the conversations you have what kind of community you have. And so I was sitting at the tables. We we're all sitting together. And I'm hearing our conversation at one table. I'm hearing the other conversation at the other table. And to give you a kind of a, a, a glimpse of the stages where we were all at, I found ourselves talking and hearing how we're all talking about like our health. Like all the checkups we have to do, the doctor's appointments we have, what we need to watch, what we need to, what we can eat, what we can't eat, what we shouldn't eat, but we do eat, all the exercise we do, we don't do, all that kind of stuff. That describes the stage in life we were in. I won't tell you all the details of those conversations, right? Sometimes you talk, you know, people talk about their, their medical things and they probably share a little more than you need to share, right? So I won't do that here, but... But uh, that kind of is the nature of things. So, like, if you're, like, not in that stage, then, you know, that's okay, right? You may not, that might not be the stage for you. But uh, it was kind of interesting. It was funny how we were able to exchange uh, different conversations, and that's kind of the stage that we were at. And uh, it's kind of, you know, I was reflecting a little bit of that. And so in about a month, I'm going to turn 47. I'll be transparent. I'll be 47. Now, some, all right, I heard reaction. I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> I know some of you, when you hear the 47, you think, oh, you're still young. Some of you, you hear 47, and you think of 47, that number, as an age, and you're thinking, wow, that's either like old, very old, really old, that's like my parents' age kind of old, or that's like it's any day now you may go kind of old, right? Anything past 25 for some people, that's old, right? I, we were all there one time. We remember when 30s seemed old. And how many of us wish we were 30s? I don't know, right? But at some point in time, you get to an age where I feel good is not good enough. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You can get away with saying, oh, I feel good. Everything's okay. Now, like some of you, the reaction I heard when I said how, how age I was, I try to involve things in my life to make me feel young, to keep me feeling younger, right? Uh, my, my son and I, we're going to be playing some football. I'm going to play some football next week as well. And we had a practice. And my mind still is in my 20s and it tells my body to do this and my legs are saying who are you kidding right I know to do something and my legs are just like three seconds too delayed 
from what my mind is saying, right? We experience these things as we get older. I need to get a new uh, eye exams pretty soon, and I anticipate my prescription is going to be a little worse. But I must admit, and I won't name names, but in our conversation, we heard prescriptions, and you, some of you made me feel good, but I'm just going to say that. But, but you get to an age where feeling well is not good enough. You need to do health checkups, right? When you're younger, you don't even think about getting a health checkup, going to see a doctor. And I used to refuse. I used to fight my wife about getting a health checkup. She would say, you know, you should get your, you should get your, your physical soon. I'm like, physical? I feel fine. But now I realize, you know what? I'm getting at an age that it's not good enough to say I feel fine. You need to have regular checkups at some point, right? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I got to do mine uh, next month as well. But in our minds, you know, we, in this day and age particularly, uh, our bodies, our physical shape, our physical condition is on the top of our minds, right? We're kind of stay ahead of things. And even these days, mental health is a big topic of conversation, right? Mental health is a big thing, and so that we want to make sure we're in good physical health, and we're in good mental health or emotional health. But I would argue to say what's as, as important, if not more important, is our spiritual health. Our spiritual health. When was the last time we have done our own spiritual health check? Right? What do I mean by spiritual health? What are some things to kind of think about or consider or ask yourselves when we're talking about our spiritual health? For one, kind of think about how healthy is my relationship with God? When was the last time you truly asked yourself, you're honest and said, how healthy is my relationship with God? How strong is my faith? In other words, is it fragile? When something happens that your faith kind of just breaks down easily. Or someone throws out a question that makes you question or think about God, do you start to doubt easily, right? Am I living more in the spirit or in the flesh? Are the things that are do- am I doing in my life, am I really sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading? Or am I completely doing things out of my own desires, impulsive, whatever I want, whatever I do, that's how I live, Right? How involved is God in my daily life? Have you thought, when was the last time you thought about that? How involved do I, how, how much do I involve God in my daily life? Not just the big decisions, not just the ones that you really need to pray for, but in my daily life, how much is God involved? And all to say, reflecting on our theme for the year, bearing fruit, do I see the fruit of God work in my life? Do I see the fruit of God's work in my life? Can I see it in me? Especially looking back from previous month, previous year, five years, ten years, you look back from where you were and where you are now, can you see God's work in your life, right? So these are the kind of questions, and there are many more you can ask, but some routine questions to consider when you think about my spiritual health. Our relationship with God, our faith, how we live our life, what governs our life, all those sorts of things. Today we're going to focus on two things in particular. We're going to do a brief summary of our time in Mark, very brief, 
Okay, we just spent over a year in Mark, so I'm going to just sum it all up, but then we're going to do a spiritual check, right? I'm going to challenge us to consider our own spiritual lives and also a spiritual check of our church as well, okay? So those are the things we're going to do today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8. If there was a key verse in Mark, a verse that really kind of communicates the purpose and the message in Mark, I would say Mark 8 is a good one to look, good verse to look at. So we'll look at Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Starts like this. And he summoned the multitude with his disciples and said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father and with the holy angels." Now, I'm going to stop there. Now, as I mentioned, I'm not going to do a full breakdown of this passage. If you, want to do, if you want to know more breakdown of the passage, we went over that all the way back in September, right? September 28th. So you can go back in our archives of YouTube, Facebook, audio. We have audio podcasts and stuff. You can go back and look at more of an in-depth breakdown of that passage there. But this passage is interesting that it's in the middle of Mark's gospel, and it's also really kind of gives a central message to the purpose and what Mark is trying to relay to, his, to the hearers about his, his, his gospel narrative, the message. So it's interesting, it's right smack in the middle. And there's four takeaways. If there's four takeaways I want us to walk away from in Mark, it's these four things, okay? The first thing is Jesus' journey to the cross, Okay? I want us to understand Jesus' journey to the cross. And the second thing is Jesus' identity. All right? That was central to Mark's narrative, his gospel message. His journey to the cross and who he was. Mark laid out a case for who Jesus is. And it wasn't just his words, but also what he did, his works. So it's like if you didn't fully believe what he was teaching... You couldn't deny what he was doing. And his actions proclaimed who he was. And Mark wanted to make that clear from the very beginning. Jesus' story, his purpose, his mission from the beginning was the cross. That was his destination. And along the way, we revealed his identity. That he was that suffering servant the Messiah King that the people were waiting for. And he was the Lamb of God, that Passover Lamb, that sacrifice for sin that they learned about all the way back from Egypt, from the time of Moses. Jesus was the one who fulfilled that role, that purpose, that identity. And so we saw that Mark's main focus, something that we need to take away from, is to know who Jesus is and what he did for us. His mission was clear, was to be that sacrifice, 
to be that suffering servant, right? And it was important for us that we saw it as a whole because too many people like to pick and choose who they want Jesus to be, especially today. A lot of people say, well, you know, I, want, I, I believe Jesus is this. And they interpret whatever they want to believe Jesus is. It's not a what people want to believe Jesus is, but it's just who he is. And the Bible's clear about who Jesus is. His revelation of himself and his purpose, we see, requires response. Jesus just didn't just say who he was, but because of who he is, it requires a response. Our response to who he is. And it's interesting, from this passage, he doesn't just require a response. Jesus puts himself front and center of our devotion. So if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's interesting, up until this point in Mark, right, people were following Jesus because they wanted to hear him teach. They wanted a miracle. They wanted to see what he was doing. But at this point of Mark, he draws a line. He says, now look, there's a response that you need to have. You've heard me. You've seen what I've done. Now you need to respond. If anyone desires to follow me, they must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Which leads to the third and fourth things that I want us to take away from in our time. Mark, whoops, I'm going to go back. Okay? The, four, the third and the fourth thing we take away from Mark is that Jesus' followers' journey, our journey as followers of Christ, what does our journey look like? And what is our identity? What's our identity in Christ? And, and Mark here is making a point, and Jesus is making a point. Look, if you follow me, you need to realize the course of your life is changing. It may not look like it. The environment may be the same, right? But the direction, the course of your life is changed. Your destination is no longer your retirement. Your destination is no longer your home, what your family looks like. You know, you're married, you have kids, grandkids, all those kinds of things. That's not the destination. Those are the, what it looks like. But your journey is different. Your journey is now eternity. Your journey now is an eternal relationship with the Father. Your journey now is where the Lord walks with you and leads you and guides you. So maybe your environment doesn't change, but the direction changes. Does that make sense? And your identity changes. You're a child of God now. You are forgiven now. You have been redeemed. You've been given a new life, a new beginning. And so if there's anything that, you know, what Mark is pointing out and central to the message in Mark, he says, one, to know Jesus' mission was to die and give life. And he showed himself who he is, but he says, look, your identity and your journey changes. It transforms. And it requires our response to him. Right? How many of you have ever heard salvation is a free gift? Right? 
I've never said that. God's love is free. We've heard that before. All right, free gift. I'm sure we've all heard that. But I would say that's partially true. And you may think, whoa, wait a second, Pastor Mike. There's verses that say salvation is a free gift. What do you mean that's partially true? When we think of free, we think that there's no cost, right? There's no cost to something. Afterwards, I don't know what kind of foods or snacks are there. It's free. You can give a donation if you want, but it's free, right? There's no cost to you for t- to take it and to eat it. And some of you really take advantage of that. and You get like third servings and fourth servings and stuff like that. But that word free gift, is not, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean there's no cost. What it means, yes, you do not have to pay for God's love. That is true. You do not have to pay for God's sacrifice for you. That is true. But that word means that it is a gift of grace. It's free in the sense that you did not merit it. You did not do something to deserve the gift. It was given to you by grace. That's what it means. I make that distinction because we need to be realistic that to follow Christ does come at a cost. His love is free, freely given, right, in terms of grace, You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't save up for it. You didn't have to pay a price for it. That is absolutely true. But to follow Christ means there is a cost. And Jesus made it loud and clear. Anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we need to understand our faith represents transformation. That's what God wants to do in our life. I mean, it makes sense, right? If you confess your sin and ask God for forgiveness, you're saying, God, I need a change in my life. I need you to redirect my life. And if you understand that, what that means, it makes sense that you say, God, transform me and change me, redirect me. It doesn't make sense for you to say, okay, God, I want your forgiveness. I believe in you, but I'm just going to leave everything else the same. I saw a viral video um, the other day, a while back, actually, and it was a young animal. I think it was like a a goat or, or a lamb or something, and it was stuck. It was stuck. I think it was either in a ditch or like a crack or something, and it shows someone trying to wrestle and get the little animal out and it's kind of whining and crying for help and it's getting out getting out and finally he frees the little animal i think it was a little goat and the little goat was so happy and it's going around it's jumping around hopping around you know it's just so happy it's free and you know what the goat did it went back into the ditch it went back into the crack and the, the little meme thing was like you know that's us with god and isn't that true Right? That's so true for us. We ask God to help us, help us, help us, forgive us, all those kind of things. And he frees us, and we're happy, and then we go right back into the same position. See, God says, look, I want to change the direction, the course of your life for your better, for your good. 
And we can't take what Jesus says lightly when he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels. We can't take that passage lightly. Think about that. And this world really wants to condition us to make us feel ashamed of Jesus. To feel ashamed of the gospel. To feel ashamed of being called a Christian. To feel ashamed about standing on the principles of God's word. And we can cave in so easily, don't we? So don't be ashamed of being a follower of Christ. And as we will discover, as we follow him, we will discover our love for God will grow. It grows and grows. If you're a young Christian, you may not fully understand what does it mean to love God. But as you follow him, and you experience him, you learn from him, your love for him grows because you see life, and you see God in your life, and it begins to change you. And so that's what I hope that we take away from Mark. Not only do we see Jesus' journey to the cross and what he did for us and who he is, but that he wants to transform your story, your journey, and who you are in Christ. You're no longer the sinner when you're in Christ. You have been redeemed. You have been forgiven. And you may struggle with things, But when you stand before God, you stand before him redeemed. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's one thing that I hope we could remember as we come out of Mark. Now, in two weeks, start up a new new series, and we're going to go through from the Old Testament through. And what we're going to see is God's story written for our story. We're going to see as we go through, and we're going to take some time again, as I mentioned, I have no idea how long it's going to take. If Mark took a year and a half, I don't know how long it's going to take. That series may outlast me. I don't know, right? But however long it's going to take, we're going to take some time to stop on some issues, some topics that will be very relatable. We'll talk about marriage. We'll talk about God being created in God's image. We'll talk about family. We'll talk about all sorts of things. So we're going to take our time as we go throughout. So I can't guarantee where we'll be in a year from now. We might still be in Genesis, right? I don't know. But what I want us to understand, God's story was written to be written in our story. We're going to see how God's story unfolds from the beginning and how it applies to us. That the Old Testament, right, for, for, for those who are younger, old doesn't mean bad, believe it or not. Right? We tend to think old is bad, old is unused, old is like outdated, old is like uh, whatever. Old Testament, that's really a bad way to say it. It's the Hebrew Scriptures, how about that, right? It's not irrelevant, but very relevant to us today. But I want us to do a health check for ourselves. Do a little bit of a health check. How's your heart? I wanted to ask you guys that. You don't have to respond now, of course. But how's your heart doing? How's your head doing? 
We talk a lot, we pray a lot about our bodies. Some of us, we know how our bodies are doing. Some are doing well, some are struggling. Some have health issues, ongoing issues. Some of you, some of you have bicycle, bike miles. I commend you. Good job, congratulations. I made it from the couch to the fridge, right? That's, that's a good thing. But how are you doing? How's your spiritual health doing? How healthy is your relationship with God? Um, I don't know if you have this when you do a checkup with your doctor. So those of you, you may not have experienced this yet. When you first thing, when you meet the doctor, you're sitting in the room, they ask you those routine questions. Do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you do drugs? All those kind of things. And then the doctor asks me the question of, do you exercise? <sighs> what do you mean by exercise? Can you define regularly? Does standing and walking across my house count as exercise? Walking to my car, does that count as exercise? And I don't know about you, but I have this impulse to bend the truth a little bit. How is he going to know if I exercise regularly or not? I don't. And there were times when I said no, and there were some times when I would be able to say yes. But so many times in those health checkups, we want to so badly bend the truth to make us just feel good about our health checkup. Oh, yeah, I exercise regularly. Oh, yeah, I don't do this. Oh, you do this. But when I ask the question, how's your spiritual health right now? Do you tend to want to, you're impulsively want to say, oh, it's doing pretty good, Pastor Mike. I've been going to church every week. I, I, I know God is around me. I, I, I pray for my food. Before I go to bed, before I fall asleep, I may fall asleep in between my, my prayers, but I'm, I'm trying to do it. We try to bend the truth a little bit. But how is your heart? How's your life going? I'm not talking about the circumstances for a moment. How involved is God in your daily, in your daily life? How aware is God in your life? Even for, for you students, even walking down the halls of your school, sitting in your classroom. I'm not asking you to like go down on your knees and pray in the middle of the classroom. Unless God moves you to. I'm not asking you to stand on the lunch tables and proclaim the gospel. Unless God moves you to. Or in your workplace. But what I'm asking you is how aware are you of the Lord in your daily life? In your daily life. What's your faith made a reading right now? Some of you say, Pastor Mike, it's not so good. It's not so good. Life is just too difficult. Life is just too messy. It feels like I've been waiting for God to intervene in my life. I don't feel like he's answering. I don't feel like he's listening to me. I'm sure all of us can relate to that at some point. I don't feel like God is listening to me. And I would ask, well, are you listening to him? 
Are you making sure that you're listening to God on the daily, the daily basis? Because see, we can ask for miracles and we expect and want God to miraculously intervene in the moment. Because if you do miracles in my life now, then my faith will just go boom, skyrocket. But see, when we rely on God to do those instant miraculous things, we may experience like a boost of faith, like an energy drink. We get a, a boost in the moment. But you know what ends up happening when we rely on those moments? It slowly drains. Slowly drains. Because we don't experience that on a daily basis at times. But see, if our faith grows day by day, because God is in our daily moments, and we look around us and we say, man, God is so faithful. Every time I drive on the freeway, there's so many times I could have gone in a car accident. And it's everyone else's fault, by the way. That was a joke. Unless you believe it, which is true, right? No. But I can see God work in my daily life. And you know what? Those incremental moments of faith build your faith so that you have a storehouse of faith. So when moments, crisis comes, you say, you know what? I have enough faith to endure these moments. You don't wait for the miraculous to come, but you have the faith to endure those moments. So how is your faith meter? How is your relationship with the Lord doing at the time, in the moment? And it's not an answer you can answer. I'm not, you know, it takes some time for you to think about it. But how is your heart? How is your mind? How are your thoughts? What goes through your mind on the daily basis? What is influencing you in your thoughts throughout the day? All right, what's influencing that? It's important for me to ask you that. It's important for us to take some time to do a spiritual health check. Because, as I've mentioned before, we need to do a church health check. We need to be honest. We need to be able to do a spiritual health check on our church. And as I mentioned before, and I really believe this, we can't have a spiritually healthy church if we don't have spiritually healthy people. Because I don't want it just to be things we do. I don't want it to just be about eating barbecue or meeting at a coffee shop or having some outing. Because that doesn't mean anything spiritually unless there's a spiritual component there. There's a purpose there. There's an intention there. And we need to be honest about how healthy spiritually is our church. I don't know about you, when's the last time you went church shopping? For some of you, you've never experienced that. Some of you grew up in this church. Some of you grew up in EFC. Some of you grew up, this is all the church you've known. It may be, looked the same over the cross time. When I've looked, when I've been between churches, done church shopping for myself, I wasn't serving at a church, there's some things that I looked for. One of the things I looked at, look, when I heard the message, I, didn't, I wasn't looking for someone to just make me feel good about myself. 
You know what I mean? That's why I never look to make you feel good about yourself. No, I'm just kidding. That's not my intention. But if that's all you're trying to make me feel is good about myself, it's not enough for me. It's just not enough. I want to be spiritually fed. I want some steak. We had, you know, the guy, when we met together, the guys, when it was arranged, they arranged it to, to have like a, a meat meal. We're carnivores. Forgive me for any of you who are vegetarian or vegan or you don't eat meat. I'm not like saying you're less of a man, okay? I'm not saying that. <laughs> but we hate meat, and that's what I want spiritually. I want meat. I want something to chew on because that's going to nourish me. And then I want worship that's experiential, that yeah, I, I can see the leaders are worshiping God, but also what I looked for I want to see if the congregation is worshiping God. Because that tells me something about the church. Is the congregation worshiping God? Or are they in a concert? Are they watching people worship God? Or is the people in the church worshiping God in the moment? And then I look a little bit deeper. If I want to get into community, I look at the genuineness of the people. Do I feel like I can be of value here? Do I see genuine conversation here? Does it look like, does it feel like, you know what, this person is interested in me being here? That's important to me when I go into conversation. In most churches, and I'm almost done here, most churches, the average congregant, the person, doesn't have conversation with the pastor. Right? Most congregants don't really have direct connections with their pastor, right? I've been in many churches, and uh, I, I've been in many churches that I've never had, like, a real conversation with the pastor. I'm there, I hear the message, worship, whatever, stuff like that, and they go. But it made me think, how many, what's the, the average congregant, right? The average person who goes to church, do they experience genuine, real conversation with somebody else in the church, the average person? I would guess no. On average, the average person who goes to church doesn't engage in real conversation with someone in the church because we've kind of conditioned ourselves to kind of do that. We, we, we get our church thing in, we clock in, we put our money in, we sing our songs, we do all those things, and we're out, Right? That's usually how it goes. But my prayer for us is that we would be a community where that can happen. And that does happen. And that we can share our lives together with discretion, right? With prayer. But that we can grow together in Christ in some varying degrees of community and fellowship of the Spirit and help each other in our spiritual growth. Because if we can help each other with our spiritual growth, I believe we will see the fruit of it in our church health, our church growth. So I leave you with that. Take some time to do a checkup. Many people have therapists. They go to therapists, and I think that's a great thing. They're allowed to be able to 
to communicate and openly share and work out some things and struggles that they have. I think that's a great, that could be a great thing. Make sure you involve God in that process. Make sure he's involved in that so that you have an accurate picture of your spiritual health going forward. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we come before you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. I thank you so much that you are our great physician. And Lord, I do pray for each person here today. You know how they're doing physically, emotionally, mentally. You know what's going on in their life. And you know their spiritual health right now. And Lord, I pray if it's just not where it needs to be, that they reach out to you, Lord. That each day by day they'll be willing to deny deny themselves, take up the cross and follow you. And allow you to work and heal and minister to their life. We thank you, Lord, and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together.